Hi, this is Tuvia Zaretsky. This is JewishGentilecouples.com. And he said, then she said, interviews with couples from around the world. And I'm delighted today to be with Irina and Tim Orff. They are currently in Minnesota. And uh, just a little bit of background uh, about both of them. Tim is a Minnesota native and he's currently working as a compliance officer at a chemical dependency treatment center. Irina is from Kiev, Ukraine. She's currently working as the international projects manager, manager uh, for the communications department of the ministry Jews for Jesus. And we're really glad to have both of them with us today. Irina, you grew up in, in Kiev, Ukraine, yeah? Yeah. How did you and Tim meet? During one of my trips to the States, I made friends with a very good pastor couple. We became very good friends, and Harvey said that he would try and find me a husband in the States. By that time, I was 42 years old, uh, without too many hopes to find a husband. Two years later, uh, when Harvey retired as a pastor, he moved to Minnesota here, to White Bear Lake, which is a little town, uh, where he started attending a church. And there he met a musician uh, that he really liked listening to and that he really wanted to make friends with. So he did. And that's how he met Tim. And after a little while, he felt that Tim would be a perfect husband for me. So okay. he brought the uh, subject with me and then with Tim. Tim, so you're a, you're a native of um, Minnesota. And right. um, what's the story about you being a musician? Back when I was in, you know, uh, probably 14 years old, um, I started to play the guitar and just really enjoyed it. Um, started playing in, in garage bands, as we called them then, with some friends, and <clears throat> eventually teaching guitar lessons and playing with various bands in the five-state area. Um, nothing very big or nothing very famous, but we, we played on a regular basis, and it's what we did, quote-unquote, for a living. What um, kind of music were you playing? Uh, nowadays, we would call it classic rock. Uh, so, um, classic rock, what kind of songs would that be? Oh yeah. So like Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, um, you know, we played a lot of blues music too, a lot of American blues. We were doing some stuff that, um, was just kind of considered old music, but it was stuff we liked and it was fun. It was something uh, that was a lot of fun to do. Um, and it was interesting. And this, this thing of music has carried through uh, throughout my life. I don't, I don't play, um, uh, professionally anymore. I volunteer through with the worship team in my church now. Um, so you, I, you were a rocker who ended up in a church. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. What, what, um, what instrument were you playing? Lead guitar, the type of thing where it was really cool to be a little bit of the center of attention. And, you know, there's, there's good things and there's good things that come with, with the music career and there are there are some things you know some ego things that can you know you can work a few years to shed afterwards too 
So was there some connection between your lifestyle with the music and what eventually became your profession here with the Chemical Dependency Center? As it turns out, there was. Um, okay. Not surprisingly, uh, it's it's a powerful uh, portion of my life that I think is important to share. And I did uh, develop I did develop some some habits that were not. Uh, not healthy, and that I needed some some help to uh, get on a on a healthier lifestyle. I you know I drank too much to put it bluntly, and um, and with the grace of God, uh, I'm free from that. And uh, you know this idea of how um, music has woven through my life. It was a it was a great thing. Um, as a as a teenager, connected me with many friends, um, gave me some wonderful opportunities to share music with people in my twenties. Um, developed some lifestyle habits that weren't uh, healthy. Um, caused me to understand that I'm not all powerful, and I need uh, I need help in my life to to live in a good manner. I did end up spending time in a, in a different treatment facility, but I did get help. And some many years later, God wound my path back into that, uh, into that area again. And now I'm able to, you know, help others who have similar issues they need to deal with. Irina, you grew up in Ukraine. You were um, speaking in, I, if I remember correctly, some churches in the United States. That's how you met the pastor, and he introduced mm-hmm. you to to Tim. Mm-hmm. Did did Tim know any Ukrainian or Russian? <laughs> Not at that time. I I started as a translator for the church. I interpreted for, I interpreted for many years for the Ukrainian government. Um, I translate for the Israeli government now, uh, but you, yeah, you're translating for the Israeli government now. Yep. You also had was it a profession in in dance? It was a hobby that turned professional. Um, I started it just as a hobby. I saw uh, Lord of the Dance. I remember the my salary at that time was three hundred dollars a month. The ticket to their show in Kiev was $150. And I remember that when I came back from that show, I told my mom that if they had another show just like that tomorrow, I would be willing to give another half of my salary just to see it again. I found an Irish dance school. I started dancing just for fun. Then uh, my teacher invited me to join the professional core of his dance group. And we performed, we competed in several major events. We won the European Championship twice. We won the World Championship twice. Um, After that, uh, I had a back injury accidentally. And so after that, I went into exams and I became the first uh, fully certified 
uh, Irish dance teacher and judge in Eastern Europe. That's a great story. That's really an interesting picture, huh? Back to your your tour around the United States as pastor says, yeah, I've got somebody, somebody for you. Um, and uh, what happened the first time you met? Uh, the first time I saw a team was on Facebook when he allowed uh, this pastor to share his Facebook contact with me. So I saw uh, some of his pictures on Facebook. And unfortunately, he hadn't been a very frequent Facebook user. So I only saw a little bit of his pictures where he was with friends. So I, I had to really, you know, zoom in a lot to to have a good look at him. Um, And then one time I was uh, back in the States, uh, I think I was speaking in Florida, but this pastor said, okay, uh, you're not going straight to Kiev after Florida. I'm buying you a ticket from Florida to here to Minneapolis. I want you to meet Tim. And the very, very, very first time I saw Tim in person was when I uh, went to that church where he was playing. It was Sunday. And, Easter uh, Sunday. Oh, it was Easter Sunday. Exactly. Exactly. And I was sitting um, in the middle of the auditorium, of the hall. And uh, he was stepping up to the stage along with the rest of his um band, worship band, and I was looking at him like, why is he looking forward? Why isn't he looking into the hole? Doesn't he know I am here? <laughs> what, what, you expect him to be looking for you? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, oh, and he was, and he was. And he was, because a second later, he looked, he turned his head and looked straight at me. And oh. his smile was brighter than any light I have ever seen in my life. So you got a chance to get to know each other uh, in that brief period? That was a very brief period because we saw each other uh, immediately after the service. And um, this pastor and his wife, uh, they introduced us properly and uh, to give us a little bit of time to meet each other and to communicate, they requested Tim to give us a tour of the church because that church facility is really, really big. And Tim, as far as I understand, was so nervous that all of his tour and all of his explanations and all answers to all the questions, he only addressed to this pastor and his wife. So I, but I had a very good uh, opportunity to watch him. So just being a rocker doesn't make you not shy. <laughs> uh, with the arena, no. <laughs> <laughs> so if I understand correctly, you went back, to, Irina, you went back to Ukraine, you came back to the States, another tour, you met Tim uh, and um, back in Minnesota. And then 2019, you guys got engaged and you were married in November of 2019. Yes. Yeah. Where'd that take place? The same church where we where we met each other in person for the first time. Okay. But yeah. Irina, you were raised Jewish, yeah? Uh, I was raised in a Soviet atheist Jewish family. Let me hear that again. A Soviet... Atheist... Atheist... Jewish family. Jewish family, okay. 
to, for an American listening to that, what does that what does that mean? It means that uh, back in the Soviet Union, when I was born, um, most Jewish people did not believe in God. They knew they were Jewish because everybody around them kept reminding them by making anti-Semitic remarks. But being Jewish did not mean uh, religion in any way at all. Did your family uh, keep Passover? No, no. My family did not keep anything. However, my family did have some traditions that uh, when I asked, they wouldn't be able to explain. For instance, at a certain time in spring, we had to clean the whole house, uh, wash the windows and everything. And when one time uh, when I was asked to help and I said, oh, can we please do it another weekend? I can't do it now. I was told, no, we absolutely have to do it now. Um, and, and did all they the years, explain the that that was connected to Passover? Absolutely not. They had no idea it was connected to the Passover. It was just the way they were brought up and just the way their families did it. And so they continued to do, to do it. One grandmother's brother was uh, a rabbi. My another grandmother's brother was a very famous revolutionary uh, after whose name a street was named in Kiev. It was a very mixed understanding of life, but we were absolutely not religious, absolutely not. Now, why, were, why was it that people would, would make anti-Semitic comments? How, how did that happen? Was it just common to, to speak of, of Jewish people in a derogatory way? This isn't that long ago. I mean, you're not that old. Uh, no, it's just, um, it's just a normal thing that you expect being a Jewish person. Um, and I haven't lived in America for too long to learn about it, you know, in any new way. But in my country, if you are Jewish, you expected to be treated that way. I was 10, 9 or 10, uh, when... I heard uh, my mom uh, in a bad, bad quarrel with our neighbors. And um, she ended the quarrel and turned away and was very upset. And I asked her what they were quarreling about because I did not understand a thing. And that was the first time when I learned that we were Jewish. That we, they, Yes, they were quarreling because somebody made a rude anti-Semitic remark to my mom and she retorted. And uh, so, yeah, I was 10 when I learned I was Jewish. Yeah. And for me to be Jewish meant uh, to have this bad disease that you just happened to have contracted that you cannot get rid of, but it is something very bad. Because of the way people treated you. Yes. Yeah, okay. Tim, growing up in Minnesota, did you have much contact with Jewish people? I did not. Um, in, the, in the town that I was uh, raised in, I don't remember uh, any, you know, going through high school, let's say going up through high school. I don't remember that there were any Jewish families uh, that I was aware of. So no. did, you ever hear, did you ever hear anybody make an anti-Semitic comment toward, toward someone? Me, I 
I grew up in the, you know, I was a, a younger child in the 70s and um, teenager in the 80s. Um, you know, and we live in a different world to, you know, that was a different world back then. Like uh, was maybe more more common back then, there would be jokes that people would tell where that would be the punchline um, and where some sort of anti-Semitic uh, flavor would be the punchline. I didn't get the humor. I, you know, I, I wasn't uh, well versed enough in the, the culture and how cultures um, and groups of people can dislike one another enough to where uh, I understood why those types of jokes would be happening. So since you guys got married, have you, <laughs> have you been learning a lot about Jewish holidays? I learn uh, an awful lot about Jewish holidays and about um, Jewish culture, uh, especially Jewish culture that we experience through, through the Bible from here tremendously. Um, and in my adulthood, I, I came to understand the world more as an adult. So I, you know, I came to understand, um, you know, I was aware of the various Jewish holidays. I was aware that, for example, Easter uh, had a connection to Passover. Mm. Um, I knew my family grew up, um, you know, in, in a church. I grew up uh, as a Christian um, I always knew who God was. I, I knew that Jesus loved me. Um, and uh, I understood uh, that, Jew, uh, that Christianity and um, Judaism were connected in some sort of fashion. Um, I did uh, study uh, the Bible in, in college as a, you know, a, when I was in my mid twenties, and so had a, uh, I got my grounding, my intellectual grounding in the connect in Judaism and its connection to Christianity, in that sense. So, in a theoretical sense, I'm understanding um, concepts. I know about, um, uh, I know about the Passover. Um, I know, uh, I know things in and intellectual way. Um, but not until meeting Irina do, do I understand, like some of the stories she'll tell about um, experiencing anti-Semitism. Um, that still to this day, you know, that's a gut punch. And, you know, growing up, um, you know, you certainly know about um, the world historical atrocities uh, committed against the Jewish people. Um, but it is so fascinating to, to love someone um, and to hear even just the fact that they learn, that, that Ira learns about, about a significant uh, aspect of her identity, the fact that her that she and her family are Jewish, and then it has this negative connotation. Um, it was introduced that way, yeah. Right, yeah, right, that's, right. That's hard. Uh, yeah, and and that is such a different way. It's a different experience than just knowing something intellectually. On kind of a lighter note, Irina, you said that that Tim helped you translate 
at times. Um, and uh, how does that work? I'm really curious. It works very well. For instance, uh, uh, Tim started learning a few Russian words. Uh, one of the words uh, that he learned is quite a difficult Russian word, velocipied, which means bicycle. And one time he just learned it. He just, I don't know why, <laughs> but he just learned it by heart. And one time we were uh, having a Zoom chat with uh, my friends from Kiev. And uh, so they are both speaking Ukrainian, Russian. I was translating to team into English, translating back. And one thing uh, Tim said, and as I translated, this word just escaped my mind. You know, translate, it does happen to translators sometimes. And Tim immediately, without missing a beat, he just supplies, oh, velocipied. It's, it, it was the funniest experience. Uh, that couple really could not believe their ears that he just said it like flawlessly. Yeah, my 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 one Russian language triumph in life so far <laughs> is to say bicycle in, in Russian. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, remember and, how one time, one time I was uh, sitting on the couch uh, doing a crossword puzzle in Russian, and uh, Tim was passing by. He just looked over the shoulder, and he pointed to uh, a word and said, "Oh, this is puree." which means mashed potatoes in Russian. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, it is. How did you know that? And he said, oh, it's just the only one four-letter word in Russian that I know. Oh, it serious? happened to be the right <laughs> word. <laughs> so I love asking questions about cross-cultural differences uh, because we all think that we understand everybody else thinks like we do and they have the same culture that we do. Tim, what surprised you about Irina, Irina, in, in uh, her knowledge of the United States? Well, Irina has, as you had mentioned, she's spoken in the United States over a period of many, many years. Um, she's traveled throughout the United States much more than I have. And she knows, she knows a good deal about uh, American culture, you know, there are there are a lot of things that that I guess we take for granted, and until you see uh, see the things that you're most familiar with through through the eyes of someone else, um, you don't really see them uh, for what they are. At one point, um, I think this was when Irina was still living in Kiev. We're engaged at this point and planning to come. She was planning to come to the United States, uh, and we were talking about you know, food and, and what each other enjoys, you know, where we like to go eat, what kinds of things we like to eat. Irina had said, yeah, you know, the only, the only quibble she had with, with eating in the United States when she was traveling beforehand was um, she just could never go anywhere and not get something that was essentially a sandwich. And I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, I don't eat that many sandwiches. I mean, of course, we eat all kinds of things that aren't sandwiches. I mean, we could go to, and I thought, I went, no, they serve sandwiches, you know. And, and I said, oh, no, so we could go to this place. And I said, no, they do burgers, and a burger is effectively a sandwich. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I start understanding what she's saying, that if, you know, 
meat between two pieces of bread in whatever form it takes isn't your thing, boy, we do that an awful lot around here. Um, and, and I've mentioned that to a few of my friends and their eyes open up and they say, my gosh, we really do. You know, that's our diet. Hey, you guys said something funny. Um, what is the difference between American and Ukrainian ideas about how long to keep food in the refrigerator? We buy food, we do grocery shopping every Saturday, and we buy food. And if we don't eat all the food by the end of the week, uh, I assume automatically that it just goes on into another week. If we don't eat it another week, it just goes on into another week. If it's, you know, if it doesn't turn green or anything, it's fine. Uh, to team, it's a totally different matter. Uh, every Saturday in, in the morning, he would ask, okay, has this been in the fridge for all this week? Okay, we are throwing it away. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's only been there a week. <laughs> he, he examines all the expiration dates. I don't. Like, if you have an apple and it gets a little tiny soft spot, you don't throw away the apple. You cut out the soft spot, throw it away, and you eat the rest of the apple. Uh, and Tim doesn't understand that. In Ukraine, I'm going to go back here for a second um, to the difference between Jewish and Gentile. Because there was a, that sometimes you ran that anti-Semitism, was it comfortable to walk around? If, did you see people wearing symbols that were Jewish symbols, like a Star of David, an Israeli flag, something that indicated that they were connected to Jewish identity? It was not very common to see. Um, in fact, even saying the word Jewish loudly was kind of not a very comfortable thing for me. Um, I went to the, I graduated from the Jewish University in Kiev. And uh, uh, many, many times my classmates and I, my Gentile classmates and I would, you know, take a bus together and we would discuss, uh, oh, hey, did you read this from Jewish history textbook or did you do that? And I always felt awful. And I'm like, guys, be quiet. How can you discuss the word Jewish history in a bus? There are people around. Be quiet. Have you had any experience like that living in the United States, particularly Minnesota? No. In fact, uh, one time I was, uh, we were going out and uh, I was wearing a T-shirt with a big Star of David uh, on it. And I was just stepping out of the house and I said, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. I need to go change the T-shirt. And Tim said, why? It's fine. I said, no, no, it has a Star of David on it. And he looked at me totally blank, like, and what, what's wrong with that? And that was a big eye opener. You know, I come from, you know, the perspective that I was coming from was, wow, this is um, certainly not something to cover up or take off because we go out in public, but, um, you know, rather a source of pride. You know, I'm the culture I'm familiar growing up in, we take pride in our, in our differences, um, in the things that make us unique. Um, and that's where, that's where I was coming from in that, in that example is, no, oh, far from that, um, this is something that 
um, that is wonder, you know, that we can celebrate, you know, you can, you can walk around and, um, and enjoy, uh, your heritage and, and feel pride in that. Um, and there again, um, and we can do that in the United States. We can do that in the, in the, in the neighborhood that we live in, certainly. Um, but it opened my eyes again to a little bit of a perspective that, um, yes, we certainly can do that in our neighborhood and it would be absolutely, it'd be a non-thing. But, you know, in all reality, we we live in a world uh, where um, you do have to be mindful of things at times. And there again, that's one of those moments where my eyes are open and I say, well, you know, um, Ira's, Ira has this uh, sense of self-protection for not irrational reasons. And while I savor even more that um, we can walk around town and celebrate the uniquenesses about us, um, it's it's something that I see a little bit differently too, that, yep, it's not that way everywhere in the world, everywhere in the country. Let me bring it back to, to something, Irina. Um, Tim shared how he came to um, a more personal uh, faith uh, in what he'd grown up in later in life. Um, you grew up in, in a pretty secular environment. Um, when was it that you came to faith uh, in Jesus? I came to faith in Jesus when I was 14. Uh, it was uh, purely by accident, if you can say so about God. Uh, I saw the Jesus movie um in a secular cinema and um i was invited by the organizers the words that did not have any meaning to me at all at the time in that film it was the first time in my life uh at the age of 14 that i uh realized that god might be real uh in that church um when people were talking uh, I was very surprised to see that normal adults, young, uh, older, they believed in God as if he really existed. Before that, prior to that, uh, everything I was taught was that you have to be either very, very old or out of your mind to believe in God's existence. Uh, so when I heard what they were talking, you know, what they were saying about God, I suddenly realized that, gosh, uh, he does exist. And I really want to have a relationship with him. And that was uh, at 14? I was 14, yes. My father, I remember that day because my father went with me. Uh, my parents didn't allow me to go to that church meeting alone because, oh my gosh, it's a sect. It's, a, it's something terrible. Uh, so my father was sitting there with me, just next to me, and when the uh, pastor of the church uh, said, hey, does anybody want to reconcile with God, to, to have a personal relationship with God? Uh, I wanted to say yes, but my, my father said, don't you dare, quietly into my ear. So I didn't dare. I just kept sitting there and I saw several people come forward and um, they prayed. The pastor prayed for them. They went back. Um, everything went on. Music resumed. And suddenly the pastor interrupts the music 
and says, hey, stop. Maybe there is just one more person here who really wanted to reconcile with God, but who didn't do it for some reason. And I just jumped up and said, yes, that's me. Thank you. And so I ran up. Um, I forgot about my dad. I forgot about everything. I was so excited that to realize that God is there, that he made this little miracle for me. Tim, uh, what's it like to be married to someone who shares your faith and yet comes from not only a, a different ethnic background, um, but a different country? God has uh, found the most amazing ways to, to stretch my... Uh, stretch my experiences, call me out into into areas that I would not have ever had the idea to walk into on my own. Um, being married uh, to a to a believer, being married to Ira, and having our faith as the central uh, central element of our marriage um, is amazing. It gives us such a great source of peace and calm. Um, it gives us an understanding of of our of our marriage and of the world around us. Um, that is that is just um, a firm foundation. Um, those things are even more comforting and nice than I would have imagined before we were married. Um, the fact that uh, Ira has a different ethnic background coming from a Jewish family and me from a Christian family, again, those are, those are, th those are ways that I think God has blessed our couple and God is able, God has blessed us as a couple and God is able to bless the communities that we exist in um, Ira is an amazingly bright, and as you had mentioned, Tuvia, a, a, a missional person. Thanks, guys. This has been terrific, and thanks so much. Thank you, Tuvia. Well, that's our conversation today with Irina and Tim Orff, both of them up in Minnesota. But of course, uh, Arena coming from Kiev, Ukraine. The illustration of he said, then she said, conversations with Jewish gentle couples from around the world is that all communication is cross-cultural. You don't have to be just speaking two completely different languages. We can all be speaking the same language and finding that our meaning in words needs to be investigated. If we can create some understanding, a better understanding, we can get around to talking about some of the very deep cultural issues, in particular those spiritual issues that are experienced and reported by Jewish Gentile couples. If this has been helpful to you, I hope you'll contact us at info at jewishgentilecouples.com. Info at jewishgentilecouples.com. If you'd like to talk with uh, Irina and Tim further, I can um, connect you with them if you give your email address. But uh, I hope these uh, are helpful to you. Maybe some friends of yours, please pass the link along to others so that they can join us in He Said, Then She Said, conversations with Jewish gentle couples around the world. Shalom. <laughs>